Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft Tapes. Welcome to the Lovecraft Tapes podcast. This is Case 16, Mulholland. I am Jeremy, your keeper of arcane lore, and we play Call of Cthulhu, a role-playing game filled with cosmic horror, existential dread, and the haunting strains of an ice cream truck in the distance, never receding, never coming closer. Your investigators of the unknown are Brian as Ben McKnight. Where did Tammy learn the Vulcan neck grip? Lupine as Rosa Garcia. There are new friends. We get new friends. Oh my God, new friends. And Matt as Diego Kennedy. And that, kids, is how I met your mother. Welcome back, everybody. How is everybody doing tonight? Good. Peachy. We got a fairly brief window of like a really heavy downpour, but that was it. It was really just kind of bubbled around us. Uh, we've had some storms, but and I think that's probably uh, an offshoot of you guys. But stop giving these your offshoots, man. We apologize for the offshoots. I'm just glad we're done with the wildfire smoke. That shit was annoying. I was actually out on vacation for a long weekend after the storms went through, but um, I did play some video games while I was on my extended uh, weekend. And I saw that um, on its launch weekend, uh, over 1 million players fired up the Texas Chainsaw Massacre video game on Steam. And it got me thinking, if you were to create a video game based on a movie you really liked, what would it be and what kind of game would it be? And I'll start us off to get the juices flowing. I would definitely make a video game based on Alligator from 1980. You'd start out as a baby alligator that a kid gets as a birthday present, but is then flushed down the toilet only to become monstrous in the sewers. Then you'd navigate the underground tunnels, chomping down on utility workers, plumbers, and stray dogs until you had enough strength to burst from one of the many manholes wreaking havoc in the big city with as much gore and synthwave as possible. Now, sadly, Robert Forrester is no longer with us to provide voice acting, but maybe we can reuse his dialogue from the original flick. Yeah, we could do that. Or AI. Let's just have a hologram. I'd do Escape from New York because we can still get Kurt Russell to do the voices. That'd be brilliant. I think it'd be a good, fairly linear, but you'd have some freedom in areas. I think I'd have to go Deep Blue Sea. I think it would be a, like a semi-cooperative board game, so like a board game with teams. And you could be either the survivors or the, I don't even know if you can call them sharks at that point. So you could be on a team and you could all be like Sam Jackson. But we'd only play like a third of the game. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're dead. Spoiler. If we're talking Kurt Russell, I'm going to say let's take Stargate and turn it into a video game. Is it, is it Kurt Russell just trying to save James Spader all the time? It's co-op, obviously, because you and your friends can, you know, join up with your own team. You know, you can pick missions, go to different planets, and there's plenty of room for, like, expansion and DLC in that. You can sell, you know, whole storylines which shake you to new planets. Uh, well, listeners, if you would like to drop us a letter from beyond and let us know what movie you would turn into a video game, please visit lovecrafttapes.com anytime and fill out our contact form. We accept well-considered criticism, fawning praise, and even tasteful nudes. Yeah. Send them. They gotta be tasteful. Send them. Send them directly to lupine at gmail. Oh. You can send them directly to me at Matt's email at gmail.com. <laughs> How'd you know my email address? This show is brought to you in part by our generous fans and supporters on patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes. So thank you to everybody. Before we begin, we need to take a quick commercial break. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hello again, it's me, Gabe, from the Lovecraft Tapes podcast. You may remember me from such roles as Aaron Martinez and... Uh, nope, that about covers it. Just Aaron. Anywho, every now and again, I get the urge to play a different investigator of the unknown. But it's a real pain to roll up new abilities, pick from all those skills, and even worse come up with a name that no one else has thought of. You'd be surprised to know that I've tried to build a stable of characters 
that will probably never get used because, well, let's face it, Aaron Martinez will never die. Even so, I tried to imagine an FBI agent whose first name starts with an R and rhymes with boy, but then realized that idea would never float, so just threw it in the trash. Thankfully, I don't have to expend brain power to make up new people out of thin air anymore. Not since I found this cool website, artificialinvestigators.com, or as I call it, AI for short. How does it work, you ask? Easy. Just type your desired character description in the search box. Something like, FBI agent who has sired many children yet somehow still never does laundry. Then click the generate button and wait. And wait. And wait. And while you wait, don't forget to download my free chapbook of limerick poetry, inspired by the mid-1800s landscapes of Alessandro Prampolino. Man, that guy could paint a tree. Look out, Bob Ross. Ah, there we go. Our query has finally been answered by the soulless copyright infringement aggregator at artificialinvestigators.com and, well, the results are odd. This guy looks like a cross between Fox Mulder and Humphrey Bogart, but more melty? Well, let's take a look at the abilities. Huh. I didn't think it was possible to have 100 luck and 6 sanity. Um, 69 in firearms, 42 in library use. That doesn't seem right. Where did the system name him anyway? How do you pronounce this? A. Roy Yo? That's not even a name. Okay, folks, never mind about all this. Artificialinvestigators.com is a complete waste of time. As a matter of fact, I'll go on record right now to say AI will never replace good old honest effort from an actual human. And if the suddenly self-aware death robots claim otherwise, you can tell them Gabe wishes them well on their short trip back to hell. Long live the old flesh! And we're back. If that product and or service was a major motion picture from Disney, what would it be called? Oh, I got the perfect title. Click. No, that was actually an Adam Sandler movie, wasn't it? Oh, it was. Yeah, 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 it was. Click two. Death again. We need to make sure that the supply appeals to a wide audience. Uh, We need to make sure we're nailing our demographics. The concept really sounded like it was a family-friendly kind of, you know, we're going we're gonna to go with nature and friends. I feel like that really communicates the core of the principle, and it opens up options for merchandising. Well, I can also appreciate that, and I can see the poster now. Dick Van Dyke grinning ear to ear, wearing one of those funny straw hats with a martini in each hand under a whimsical font inviting us to see Hangovers and Headaches, A Cautionary Tale. So with or without the animated penguins. It is time, my friends, to play K-16, tape six, winsome, assembosome. Previously on the Lovecraft Tapes. Every teenager must pass through the painful gauntlet of puberty. A necessary but sometimes confusing rite of passage, where new emotions alter a previously unshakable perspective of the world, clouding judgment, yet opening new vistas through which to view the universe. Having breached the lock on the first aid cabin, Rosa and Ben put aside their trepidation to closely examine Peter's exsanguinated corpse and make a puzzling discovery which may lead to an unexpected suspect. Diego joins forces with Brigitte, who leads him down the garden path under the pretense of looking for her brother Nicky, but instead 
lures him to a family reunion of sorts. What began as a respite from the horrors of Las Cruces has suddenly turned strange and dark for our young investigators. Rosa, you've got a bad case of deja vu right now because, yet again, you're sitting across from Counselor Tammy who has her feet up on the desk smoking a camel cigarette, just watching you and Ben squirm in silence. The fingers of her free hand tap incessantly on a thick spiral-bound notebook with the word roster on it. She puffs smoke circles up into the air where the fake halos dissipate into a thick haze near the yellow-stained ceiling. Behind her, on filing cabinets, are stacks of similarly yellow-stained newspapers and magazines. Okay, she suddenly announces, practically leaping from her chair. Time to hear what Harcourt and Lindsay have to say. I'll be back in a while to get your side of the story. She stubs out her cigarette and marches to the door of the cabin, slamming it behind her. Outside, you hear her tell another camper to yell if you try to leave. The two of you, it seems, are stuck here in the counselor's quarters until she's through questioning your new friends. Can we see who is guarding the door? Rosa stands up and peeks out the window. It's one of the older kids. You don't recognize him, but why don't you go ahead and give me a spot hidden? Oh, I failed. A 49 over 25. You peek out the window and uh, you don't recognize the kid at all. They look very attentive. I'm going to look around. I want to see if I can find uh, if she wrote down anything about Peter. I'm going to start looking through notebooks. Let's look at the notebook that says roster. It's almost like it's right in front of us. Hey guys, if you check my Facebook update, it says maybe you should check the roster on her desk. You had not noticed the roster book sitting on the desk previously until she was just now tapping her fingers on it. And there is a bathroom. I'm going to open the notebook up and um, start scanning to see if I can find anything about Peter or if she knows if she's taking any notes as to what's the hell's going on here. Go around to what way the book is facing and sit down and open it up. In her chair. If Rosa wants to look over my shoulder, she'll have to come around the back of the desk as well. I'm going to do that. And Ben opens up the roster. And you can see quite clearly, Ben, right off the cuff, it is full of names of kids at the current camp. See, it has the date that they arrived. Yeah, it's got all the information, uh, their parents. And unfortunately, there is nothing interesting next to Peter's name. Um, It doesn't appear that this is actually any sort of diary or journal or log of, of events at the camp. It is instead simply a roster of the people who are staying here at camp. However, Nikki Miller and Brigitte Miller, their names have been underlined with an asterisk note next to it. That reads L-A-T-7-16-2. So, July 16th, 1974. Does the day they got here match the days the other kids got here? Yes. Lat could mean latitude. But are latitudes three letters with slash? No. Are the rest of the dates, do they have slashes or dashes? Uh, the rest of the dates are slashes. It's the same person who wrote it. Yeah, and they, they wrote it like a date. I don't know what LAT stands for. Do we know anybody's name that starts with an L-E-T? No. It could be initials. Los Angeles Terminal. Well, I was thinking L-A-X, but can I ask a quick question about Peter? Sure. So he had an accent, right? Yes, Australian. Did we ever figure out if he was actually Australian or if he was 
through here. Like I'm thinking if he came in on a plane. Maybe it's her workout schedule and that's just when she was working on her lats. And they have another date below it that says delt. Yeah, and then glutes later on, a couple pages later. Okay, so you were no help. Please remute. You said there's newspapers. I'm going to go and see if there's a copy of the LA Times that matches that date. What are you doing, Rosa? LAT could stand for LA Times. So maybe there's a newspaper here, there's an LA Times here from... Uh, July 16th. That's a good idea. Then help me look. All right, you take that quadrant there, and I'll take this quadrant. And never the twain shall meet. Whoever finds that first wins. Go. And go ahead and roll a spy hidden, both of you. I needed a 45, roll a 33. I sucked at the success. I failed with some number over 25. Ben is digging through one stack and Rose is digging through another. Ben finds it immediately because it's only a couple weeks old. So in the stack, it's just down a little way. And, and it seems that either Tammy or um, Lem uh, have been pretty anal about keeping things in order. I got it. I got it. I win. And I hand it over to Rosa. I'm looking for anything. Anything like unexplained, weird sounding. Man seeking woman. Oh. Nikki and Bridget Miller. So you're going to scan the paper to find any mention of Nikki or Brigitte. Ben, are you doing anything? Yeah, I'm actually going to just snoop a bit. I'm going to go into their bathroom. Rosa, you do come across a dog-eared page of the newspaper on which a small article appears detailing an incident of a teenage girl who was abducted from her home late at night. On July 15th, a family friend who was house-sitting while the parents were away phoned the police to report an intruder had broken an upstairs bedroom window and apparently kidnapped the child. However, after an exhaustive six-hour search, the missing girl was found at the edge of a nearby wooded area. Authorities were initially concerned because one of their classmates, Maud Casanova, had been found dead in the woods only a week prior. Does it say what she died of? There is no more mention of Maud Casanova in this issue of the LA Times. What I'm thinking is maybe they need to do something once per week. Have there been disappearances every week since 716? I will look for paper from the 23rd. So Rosa immediately goes back to the stacks and starts looking. Ben is opening the door to the bathroom. It creaks open. It's pretty grotty in here. The shower curtain has a little bit of mold on it. Sink has iron stains in it. Two toothbrushes currently side by side, laying down and drying over the sink. There is a partial plate in a glass of water, a bottom portion of somebody's jaw, like a bridge. How many? I want to examine how many teeth are on that bridge. There are only four. By the shape of the bridge, can I tell which four teeth they might be? The center four on the bottom. Go ahead and give me a spot hidden otherwise. I needed a 45 roll to 62. I failed. There is an um, empty packet of Alka-Seltzer. In the trash bin. Which makes sense. It's been a long night for Tammy. Does Tammy have red hair? Tammy does not have red hair. Tammy is a like sort of dirty blonde. She hates kids. Who doesn't though? We could all be the killer. Right. Rosa, you easily find the 23rd and scan it and don't find any mention of anything interesting. Why would Tammy or Lem point that part out? to check the LA Times for that date. Like one of these two people, Lem or Tammy, are tracking something or following up on a lead of something. I mean, they're they're investigating. I haven't thought about the teeth, but Rosa has not seen the teeth. Well, I'm about to call Rosa in. I'm going to step out and go, Rosa, you got to see something really gross in here. Oh, uh, it's like four teeth. Do they look like human teeth? Yes. Darn it. Remember how the end of Peter's tongue had like puncture wounds? Yeah. So what if she has like like specialized teeth or something? Like Nosferatu? Maybe. Wait, what if she has weird teeth and she needs to hide them? And so she has these human looking teeth. Wouldn't she be wearing them though? It could be a lens. Oh, I bet you're right. And he was in a hurry, so he wouldn't have even taken a second thought to go get them. Where was he going? The hospital? 
He was supposed to go get help. Why would he go get medical help for Peter if he knew that Peter was already dead? Because he wanted to not be around us. What if he isn't really going where he said he was going? What if he just went off into the woods? Maybe that's what he and Tammy were talking about. Do you remember the name of the guy who founded this scam? L.A.T., I think. Those were his initials, yeah. Lamb ass heart. Well, we already figured out what the L.A.T. means. I feel like Kyle's asinine spirit is in my body. He's like giving me hints from beyond. By slapping ass. Every time you get close, you just feel a little something. I don't know what else to do. Let's look up the paper with the girl who died, Maud Casanova. She died about a week earlier. Yeah, she was a friend or classmate, right? Yeah, of the girl that got uh, abducted on the 16th. I'll need library use from both of you. I need a 70 roll to 23. I'm just failing everything. I found it. You found a copy of the LA Times for July 6th, 1974, which has an article regarding the mysterious death of Maud Casanova, whose body was found in a patch of forest on the edge of town where vagrants were known to gather. Her corpse had been ravaged by wild animals since her disappearance on July 4th at a neighborhood fireworks event. And the coroner ruled the cause of death was a poisonous snake due to several fang marks found on the flesh, despite a complete loss of blood. Nope, doesn't ring a bell. Fang marks? Loss of blood? Are we talking vampires here, Ben? Uh, it sounds like vampires. It does kind of sound like vampires. And right then, you hear a scream outside. (coughs) Diego, you stare at the slime-covered thing which has risen from the bog. A vaguely cylindrical, bulbous, undulating, gray-black mass as big as a VW van, and your skin begins to crawl. Please roll sanity. I needed a 39. I rolled a 71. That is a failure. Please roll D6. Two. Please take two points of sanity damage. Your involuntary reaction to this site is going to be that you are rooted to the spot. Nikki leaves you to approach this thing. And he says, Hey, uh, father, mother, this is my friend, Diego. He's like totally cool. And then Nikki says something in a language you don't understand. Go ahead and give me a natural world roll, please. Uh, I needed a 10. I rolled a 64. Another failure. Insert shocked Pikachu face here. Almost in response, a orifice opens in the mass. And you see this cavernous maw ringed with undulating miniature tentacles. It goes down and down as far as you can see. But on the bottom portion of this orifice are two fangs. So, Diego, uh, this is father and mother. Don't worry, they can't understand anything we're saying. English, they, they only speak their language. But yeah, this is my father and mother. Dude, that's kind of fucked up. No offense. I know it's a little weird. And to be honest, uh, I'm getting a little sick of it. This looks like the the mystery meat that came out of the last cafeteria I visited when I was in school. Can't argue with that. Just look a little weird, doesn't it? But You thought of renting this thing out for Halloween parties? Good idea. But actually, I had a little bit of a different idea. Um, Is this okay? Do you prefer talking to Brigitte? And before your eyes, Nikki turns into Brigitte. I know that Rosa likes... Nikki better, but I just thought maybe this form would be better for you. I mean, if I'm going to die, you know, might as well make it nice, right? You're my special friend. Why would you die? Giant monster, big mouth, sharp teeth. You can kind of see how I got to that conclusion that, you, you know. Well, that's why I'm asking for your help. Again, they can't understand anything we're saying, so feel free to talk freely. The problem is, father-mother is kind of old. You know, they just don't get me anymore. 
I get that. Right. And they get hungry. You know, they like blood, really. Blood, mostly. I mean, blood exclusively. And there's not a whole lot of animals left around here that I can keep feeding them. I heard about this honey badger. (laughs) So the problem I'm hoping that you can help me with is they can't really hide in plain sight. At the bottom of a bog, that's fine. But they can't transform like I can anymore. They're too old. So you want to, like, bump them off? Well, I like the way you think. I'd rather not sacrifice any more of the kids because it's going to draw attention. You know, have you ever read Bram Stoker's Dracula? I'm going to need you to roll a library use for that. I needed a 20. I rolled a two. That is an extreme success. So have you read Dracula? Uh, I actually have, believe it or not. One of the few books that I have read. What I really need is... Garlic, holy water, wooden stakes. A special friend, like... Do you remember Renfield from the book? Oh, yeah. The one with Nicolas Cage. (laughs) (laughs) Wolf? Like that. I need a special friend to help me when I need help. You know, I have a, I guess you could call it a special disease, but I require blood. I don't really want to do what they do, killing people randomly. I mean, that's silly. Just a little bit can suffice. And sometimes, you know, if you're willing, yours would be fine. What's in it for me? I'm glad you asked. Well, special friends get special abilities. Um, longevity? Uh, do you like the age you are now? You know, I was hoping to hit the point where I was like, can buy booze, but... Eh. Why buy it when you can just take it? I mean, that's kind of illegal, you know. Stealing is uh, stealing's a thing, and if you, you're looking to draw attention, to, uh, committing crimes is exactly the wrong way to, to do that, you know? You have the way of the world about you, and I need someone to guide me. And she sidles up next to you. I think together... You and I could probably enjoy this world a bit more than we are currently. If we could only get rid of them, it would just be you and I. That is a very tempting offer, I'll give you that. Look, father-mother is weak. (laughs) Not nearly as powerful as they used to be, and not as powerful as me either, but it would be an easy process. You, I saw you earlier at the archery station. You're a pretty good shot. Yeah, I try. My, you know, my dad's taught me a thing or two about, you know, self-defense and being prepared and on your own and all that jazz. I figure a couple well-placed shots. You see that little gray spot right below the fangs, a little lower there? Uh, the uvula? No, a little higher. An arrow or two at that location would be the end of them. What do you say? I mean, I have a 17, so you'd really be pushing your luck. Well, they are very slow. And you'd be far away. I could help. Just think about it. You would be protecting the rest of the camp. And I would be free, finally, to get out and live my life, uh, not under their shadow all the time. What, are you going to travel the world? Would you like to? Maybe form some sort of sisterhood about traveling pants. I don't know. What do you say, Diego? I'm I'm all for slaying the monster, saving the day. You know, I get that. Damsel in distress. Maybe I help you get rid of them. But, you know, I'm not so sure about the whole going off with you thing. I, my parents still need me. I Last I saw, we didn't leave on two great terms. And I'd really hate for that to be the last thing that they saw in me. I can sort of understand that. If you spent centuries... Under the thumb of your parents, you would feel much differently. I can tell you this, Diego, it doesn't get any better. I mean, we haven't hit the early 2000s housing crisis, so how bad could it be? Let me ask you this. How old do you know Rosa? I mean, she's my cousin. Uh, We've met at a couple of family reunion events. Uh, We've talked a bit, but uh, not like, you know, we're sharing diaries or anything. She seems to be keen on Nikki. Do you think... She might be my special friend, if you're not interested. Depends. If I say no, are you going to kill me? You know, right now, staying alive is at, like, the top of my priority list. Yeah, I've, I got a lot of things that I want to do still. I got to steal a motorcycle. I got to jump some school buses. I got to jump a shark on said stolen motorcycle while wearing a leather jacket. Maybe it'll become a thing, jumping the shark. Who knows? Well, can you keep a secret? Both my mother and father 
work in highly classified units of the military. There's one thing I know, it's secrets. I mean, there's some things in Area 51 that would make your skin crawl, but I'm really not supposed to talk about those. I'm just going to immediately look up and make sure there aren't any helicopters flying overhead. Okay, I don't think they heard me that time. Well, it sounds like you can keep a secret. And if you're willing to help me with Father Mother, then I think we'd both have skin in the game. I mean, do you actually have skin? Is that like a thing that you have? Or Feel it. And Brigitte puts her arm out. You, you moisturize? That's very nice. Well, it's borrowed. Uh, do you like it? I mean, I don't want it, but it's it's nice. Well, do you prefer Nikki? I don't really know anybody here at this point. I mean, it's just you and I out here in the woods, so I don't judge. I just need help with you-know-who. I get that. I mean, I could be somebody else, too, pretty easily. I just need your help to find a new body. These guys were easy enough. I just took the sister, and then she took her brother. Dude, that is not legal in most states. You have to go further down south for that. Try Alabama. A thing's gotta do what a thing's gotta do. You know, my Uncle Larry gave that same excuse, still ended up in the penitentiary. They keep him in solitary for reasons. I can tell you're a little more comfortable with Brigitte, so I'll bring her back. Hey, hey, Diego, Um, I know this is weird, but seriously, if I don't get out of this bog, I'm going to go crazy. And I don't want Father Mother to be running amok and causing distractions and getting in more papers. I mean, sure, that, that was my fault a couple weeks ago, but I'm just hoping... What do you say tonight I can lure father mother down by the lake and you can get the bone arrow and we can do this thing? You're you're pretty stealthy, right? Oh yeah. Uh sneaking around has been my forte for a long time. Should we shake on it? Why not? And I'm gonna spit into my hand and hold it out. And she does the same thing, but for just a minute, you see something deep in her mouth, something coiled and snake like. With two fangs deep in her throat. And then she spits into her palm and shakes her hand. I'll see you at midnight. Travel safe back to the camp. Say goodbye to Father Mother. Uh, nice to meet you, I guess. Um, really wonderful kids you have. I'm just going to slowly back away from Father Mother. And you slowly back away and find yourself on the trail heading back to camp. And you're not a bit surprised that halfway there, you hear a scream in the distance. Ben and Rosa. Somebody's screaming outside. I'm running to the door and throwing the door wide open. What's going on? Is everything okay? The kid who was guarding the door is already halfway across the clearing, heading back towards the direction of the first aid cabin. My instincts are kicking and I'm about two steps into a run and I look back and go, come on, we got to help. Right. So yeah, you guys uh, follow after the kid who is guarding the door to the counselor cabin and turn the corner to see counselor Tammy screaming, her hands at her mouth as she stares in abject horror at Peter, who is just coming out of the doorway to the first aid cabin. The door flung wide open, almost off its hinges, and his bloodless corpse, stumbling into the broad daylight, leeches spilling out of his mouth. Oh. Eyes white, rolled up in his head. Okay. I'm going to need you to all roll sanity, please. I succeeded with 58 under an 80. I needed a 39. I rolled a 30. That's a success. Ben and Rosa, you look at this horrific sight, but because you have previously examined the body, for some reason, it doesn't terrify you at all. Not the way it's obviously affecting Counselor Tammy and now the kid who was guarding the cabin you were in. (laughs) Counselor Tammy actually falls down in a dead faint. Oh, geez. She gives a hitching gasp and stumbles back one step and then just lands flat on her back. Head turned to the side. The kid pees his pants and runs three steps in one direction and then turns course and runs six steps in another direction and then runs directly between the two of you, heading for the lake, just pell-mell. Follow him, Rosa. Is the Peter thing 
coming towards Danny? No, it looks to be stumbling blindly. Its head is whipping in directions of anything that's making noise. I don't think we should follow that kid, Ben. He's just a nobody. Yeah, I don't want him to hurt himself. He's obviously in shock. He'll be fine. We need to get away from that thing. Is Tammy in its way? It looks like it's only going towards loud sounds. I'm going to look on the ground and see if I can find a stick, pick it up, and I'm going to throw it way to the left of Tammy, but close enough to where Peter could hear it. If we try to get him back in the cabin, could we, like, bar the door? Let's see how he reacts to the thing I just did. Okay. Maybe we can, like, herd in with sound. He's bigger than us. We could, like, make a lot of noise at the doorway and sort of lead him that way and then... And as you guys are talking, he's heading in your direction because he can hear you. Of course. I'm going to run to the door of the cabin. You got to go by him to do that because he came out of the cabin. I would like to skirt him. That sounds like a dex roll to me. That is a hard success. He's a little sluggish and slow, but he does make a swipe at you, and more leeches are spilling out of his mouth and writhing on the ground. Give me a spot hidden. I failed a spot hidden with 62 over 25. I'm going to go over to the doorway and start, like, yelling. Come at me, bro. Come at me, bruh. Talk shit, get hit. He whips in your direction and starts stumbling at you. I'd like to wait until he's just out of reach of me and then like go to the side and try to keep quiet while he stumbles in my direction so hopefully he'll go in the cabin and i can slam the door behind him that still sounds like a dex to me i'm following at a safe distance behind him watch me die yeah well watch me whip and then watch me nay nay nope i made a success with 35 under 50 rose's ruse actually works to ben's shock peter marches straight into the first aid cabin didn't he bust out of it though yeah the door is actually i said slightly off its hinges there's a bench it's one of those like old-fashioned rustic looking benches like yeah like a split log right yeah pretty heavy gesture to ben i'm still trying to stay quiet without saying a word i know exactly what she's trying to do and i quickly run to the other end of the bench and we lift and slide in front of the doorway That sounds pretty reasonable, so we'll just go ahead and say you do that. Then we sit down and go, whew, hand comes through the doorway and pulls us in. You immediately hear, as soon as you slam the door, Peter turn around and start banging on the door again. So sad, too slow, and run away. We have to go find Diego, so do we know what direction he was going? No, we we started to track and then we just completely got turned around. So at this point, our brains would be like, well, we went that way already, so maybe we go the other way? Mm-hmm. We sort of know where he went into the woods. We don't know where he went from there. He was behind our cabin, right? Let's go behind the barrack building. I'm looking for any, like, broken branches or bent grass or foliage, any indication that someone passed through here recently. Diego, are you out there? Go ahead and give me a luck roll. Rosa. No, that is a 41 on a 38. We need a track from Ben. Needed a 10 and rolled a 32. Not so good. You don't have anything concrete to go on that would point you in the direction of Diego. Let's go see if we can find the other kids, I guess. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. My mom always said if you're lost, you just stay put and somebody will find you. We're not lost. So Diego, just stay put out there. And then after a couple weeks... Someone will probably find him. A hiker or something. Maybe bear. I'm going to go towards the lake. If you guys head towards the lake and you see that there is a gathering of kids down there, it looks like a lot of them were swimming and so forth, but they've gathered around that kid who had run down there and he's like talking animatedly to them, explaining what it was going on up there. So you guys come into that group and they all turn toward you with questioning eyes. Diego, you pop out exactly where you wanted to go, right next to the archery station, where you know there are bows and probably some arrows which need to be modified slightly to be more effective because they are somewhat gimped for target practice here on the uh, the range. So you might need to do a little bit of uh, field work. Looks like the camp is pretty much deserted. You hear like this distant thumping, but you figure that's like somebody chopping wood or something like that. Having sex, 
behind the barracks or something. I don't know. But you don't hear any more screaming or anything that you heard just briefly on your way here. Seems pretty quiet and calm. I'm going to scan around, grab the nearest bow, and then I'm going to uh, round up as many arrows as I can. And I want to I want to take a look at them and see what the, the tip of the arrow is made out of. Essentially, what they've done is put a blunt piece on the end of the arrow so it's rounded instead of pointed. I know this is California, but were blunts okay at this point? It's just something that has a little screw through it so you could just grab a screwdriver and just take that out and underneath would be the actual arrowhead. Yeah, it's almost like a little cap. I'm going to pull out my my pocket knife and use the tip of my pocket knife like a, a screwdriver. Tip on tip action, folks. Welcome back to the podcast. We've got some tip on tip action. So I'm going to use the tip of my pocket knife as a screwdriver and I'm going to start just unscrewing all of those and pulling them off to get rid of them. So I have actual sharp arrows. And sure enough, you do. Yeah, it takes you just a few minutes. And, and while you're working, uh, you hear that thumping continuing on. Uh, however, you also start to hear the distant sound of kids down by the lake. You can hear some people talking way in the distance. The wind just blows in your direction. Where the fuck is Diego? But now you have uh, as many arrows as you like, up to 12. We'll load up a quiver with 12 arrows. You have to have a montage. Come on, guys. This needs to be a montage. He's like strapping the leather down and latching it. What's the montage song? I'm going to fletch that bow. <laughs> <laughs> my quiver and then I have my bow kind of over my shoulder like you see in the movies because it's the only way I know. I'm going to take one more quick look around to make sure everybody's still occupied. And I'm going to start heading towards the barracks. And I'm going to climb back through that back window into the bathroom and I'm going to uh, stash the bow and the now usable arrows underneath my bed. You hear a horrendous crash from a couple buildings over. Gonna go stick my head out the front door of the barracks real quick, see if I can't see what made the noise. You don't see anything, but also the talking down by the lake has ceased. Gone eerily quiet for some reason. Go over to, to Rose's bunk and open up her footlocker because I know she has a, a journal or a diary or whatever you may call it. You're going to read my diary? I thought you were going to borrow my nine mil. That too. But I'm just going to flip to like the back couple of pages and I'm just going to start scribbling down everything I remember from what we were talking, from what Brigitte and I were talking about. What she wants and what's going on and what's in the swamp and all that. Just because I know if I don't, it's going to totally leave my brain and that might be useful knowledge later on. One thing my dad taught me, it's you be prepared for any possibility. And that often includes writing a lot of things down. Rosa and Ben down by the lake, you hear a terrible crash, which you know what that entails. And everybody around you, all of the kids who have been questioning you of what was happening up there, everybody looks beyond you back up the hill. You don't have plain sight of where the first aid cabin is, just the rooftop, but you know where that crash came from. Yeah, because the roof is on fire from that sick beat. I am going to pick up a door. I'm going to follow suit. I do the motion with my arm for everybody to get behind us. Everybody be really, really quiet. So Rosa and Ben hold their oars at ready, waiting to see what might breach the hill from above. The kids behind them, pensive and clearly scared, huddling with their backs to the lake. And you hear a familiar shout in the distance as Lindsay says, Peter, no, get away. And you realize that Harcourt and Lindsay are not here with you at the lake but probably up in the mess hall where Counselor Tammy had been questioning them. Tune in next time as we play another reel of the Lovecraft tapes. Oh, snap. Wow, this is weird. None of that was in the lore. Remember that kid who got up right after he got killed like he was dead and then he wasn't right it was the next day yeah the ghost story they didn't talk about him like 
spilling leeches out of the mouth. Because probably it's been told so many times that he just came back to life. He wasn't really dead. I'm kind of thinking that maybe it's something different from those guys. That's what it feels like, yeah. But it wasn't Tammy because she fainted in fear. Right, so we know Tammy's clear. We probably should have helped her once we locked him in that room. (laughs) Well, but she's being quiet because she's passed out. I thought he wouldn't be able to make it through that door. But I guess he's got like superhuman strength now. Now it's time for some hashtag recommendos where we share some of our geeky obsessions. We have many. I'm going to go first, guys. With the world seemingly on the edge of ruin at any moment, there's no better time to fire up your VCR and pop in that dusty VHS tape you rented at the local video store. Night of the Comet. 1984. Directed by Tom Eberhardt, who directed Soul Survivor, one of my favorites, Captain Ron, for some reason, and Gross Anatomy. Starring Catherine Mary Stewart, uh, who starred also in Weekend at Bernie's, The Last Starfighter, and Nighthawks, another underrated movie, and Jeffrey Lewis, The Devil's Rejects, Salem's Lot, and The Lawnmower Man. Now, as far as apocalyptic tales go, this is up there with the best of them. A comet passes by Earth, pretty much vaporizing everyone who wasn't protected from the radiation. But also, comet zombies. A ragtag band of clueless survivors tries to defend their Los Angeles lifestyle in comedic fashion while also keeping one step ahead of mysterious scientists with a nefarious agenda. What I like about this easygoing sci-fi flick are the rapid-fire one-liners, the Christmas vibe, it's a Christmas movie, and dark undertones that are not compromised by the humor. It's just plain 80s fun. So if that sounds like a good time to you, check out Night of the Comet, 1984. Good movie. Brian, you're up next. I've been on the search with, I'm sure a lot of people have gone through this, where they can never find a pillow that suits them. It works for maybe a couple months, and then you're like, ah, it's all flat and smushy and crap. I've had this pillow for three months. It's made by Topsy which I think is a cool name, but it's made from recycled material, which is what drew me to it initially. When I bought it, it was $40 for two queen-size pillows, but they're cooling pillows. So I get super hot at night. Having with old pillows, you get you get hot and you wash your pillows because they get gross from your nasty head. And then they never are the same again once you wash them. These are washing machine safe. So I washed them once thinking, okay, here we go. I'm going to have to buy more pillows. And they came out exactly like I bought them. I could not believe it. Super comfortable. Stay fluffy. Like you literally lift your head up and it comes back like a true memory foam should. The only thing I did find out is they're not microwave safe. So don't put them in your microwave, guys. They get real weird. So if you are in need of pillows, I can't recommend them more. I actually bought two more to uh, give us gifts for the holidays. It is Topsy, T-O-P-C-E-E. All right, Bri, thanks a lot. We'll check out your pillows. Mm. Matt, you're up next. Uh, This week, I'm going to recommend a game for people who are looking for something that's a little bit silly and yet can be a little bit serious that's really crazy alone but best played with friends uh, i'm gonna say you you guys should go pick up a game called played up played up is an up to four player cooperative restaurant game a game where you and your friends uh open up a restaurant that serves uh well whatever dish you so choose from the list of the ones that you have unlocked inside of your very own restaurant, which the layouts are procedurally generated. So every restaurant you go and you start in is a little bit different, uh, which adds to the challenge because part of plate up is you have to build your own kitchen out and you have to build your serving space out because you're going to have some players in the back cooking dishes. You're going to have somebody, you know, washing the dirty plates and restocking them for the chefs. You're going to have one person taking orders and delivering food food. And so how you lay out your restaurant can really help or hinder your efforts to become a a five-star restaurant. As you go along through the days, you get, of course, money for serving people, which you can then use to buy additional appliances, tables, chairs, countertops, fun things like mixing stands or, you know, faster ovens, things like that to make your your kitchen run smoothly, like a mop for cleaning up the mess people make or shoes that make you run faster. You get to decorate your restaurant and depending on what style of restaurant you have, it has uh, additional perks that come with it, whether that's people will wait longer to to get into your restaurant or they'll like make less mess when they're eating. So it becomes the stacking game of do we take this style of restaurant 
so that we get less mess. And then that'll allow us to buy this, this and this, because then we'll be able to pump out more dishes. Um, You also get as the game goes along, they force you to take modifiers, which can be things like can only see people's orders when you're standing next to them. You know, you could add another dish to your menu. So you go from a restaurant that serves steaks or burgers to a restaurant that serves pizza and onion soup or my personal favorite salads. I've had some some really great salad based restaurants with uh, some people from the discord that we've played this game with before. Uh, our restaurant was called Salad Tossers, and it was amazing. So, yeah, if you're if you're in the market for a four player co-op game where you're going to be running around yelling at each other, looking for, you know, this order. And oh, my gosh, these people are about to get up and leave. We have to serve them. It's a whole lot of fun. There's plenty of stuff to unlock and progress, so it never gets boring. Uh, so, yeah, go play Plate Up. All right. Thank you, Matt. And Lupin, you're up last. I'm going to recommend a book. Uh, I am reading a book called Sourland. It's by Rivers Solomon. It is a horror book, but uh, as far as I can tell, I mean, there's there's a little bit of folk horror going on, but it's also the sort of horror that it's social horror. It's like uh, the horror of society. These people are assholes. Concert warnings for this book include pregnancy, which which is a real real big one right off the bat. Some real world world racism, and then skinned animals. But they don't really go into it that much. So there's not a there's not a ton of gore, but it's a really good book and it's very interesting. And I'm really appreciating how it gives me a as you can tell, I am white. You know, I don't know how life is necessarily for a black person. And um, they talk about black bodies and black lives in the US and it's set in the 80s, an alternate history. It's one of those things where it's written from a very different perspective from who I am. So it's a learning experience for me. This situation might look like this to me and then to someone else, it might look completely different. They might have a different outcome. They might have a different worries. They might have different hopes from the situation. So it's just a really interesting book. And then, then of course, there's the folklore aspect. Also, another content warning, Cults. Yeah, Sourland by Rivers Solomon. Thank you very much. And that's going to be it, guys, for this episode of Lovecraft Tapes. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. If you like what you hear, please use a review. Meanwhile, visit lovecrafttapes.com for up-to-date information about our podcast and subscribe to our live streams at twitch.tv slash lovecrafttapes or youtube.com slash lovecrafttapes. You can chat with me in real time at discord.lovecrafttapes.com. And if anybody wants to give me any archery tips for using a bow and arrow to slay a giant bog monster, uh, that'd be greatly appreciated. You can uh, deliver those to me on Mastodon or Blue Sky at The Real Weird Kid. And if anyone wants to give me any archery tips, you know, about like uh, cutting off heads with oars or just smacking people with oars. I love smacking people with oars, not gonna lie. It's really fun. You can leave me a note at, on my link tree. It's linktree slash lupinevent at all, one word. I'll be on Discord. If you put my name in whatever you're saying, I will respond. Otherwise, I just stalk from a distance. <laughs> Until next time, roll four L-A-T. Gotta work those lats, baby. They so tight today, though. Oh, you got, you gotta, you gotta work those lats. Then we can get onto the delts and the tries. The Lovecraft Tapes podcast is copyright 2023. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes.